and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. This morning, I'm going to talk about a truthful tone. A truthful tone. I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter 4. It's not in... I don't think I'll have it on the screen. It wasn't in my notes. But Ephesians 4, if you've got your Bibles, and verse 15 says this. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Do you know, we, uh, as Jesus followers and as believers, we talk a lot about truth. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And, uh, and we, we assume or esteem ourselves to be people that tell the truth. Uh, it's one of the, the characteristics, shall we say, of, uh, of, of people that uh, we would think, you know, people that are um, spiritual or church-going folk and, and Christ followers. And, and, and I'm not saying that's not the case. Um, but there's an element of truth that I wanted to, us to look into today and the role that tone plays in our life uh, because I, I really feel like it's something I want to help us today to actually, like we talked about last week with substance, not the nudie runs, but the substance, putting more substance into our, our words and putting more substance into our deeds. But even if, if, if we think that we're uh, doing better than we are and yet there's not actually that substance behind it. If we think we're truthful people but, but we're not or there's, there's a, a, a greater way to walk in that truth, we're going to walk in a greater degree of freedom as well. And so this morning, uh, bannering it out of that Ephesian scripture where it talks about speaking the truth in love, I want us to look at a truthful tone. In Philippians uh, chapter 4, it says this, Finally, brethren... Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do, and the God of peace will be with you. One of the things that we, uh, we encourage and the Bible encourages, is that we, the more we pursue the truth, the more we, it talks about you'll, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Um, in Joshua uh, chapter 1, it talks about how um, if you stay in my word, then, uh, where are we? I'll, I'll just read it. Um, only be, Joshua 1 verse 7 says, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn it from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So it's talking, again, right across Scripture, how the more we get God's Word in us, the more it allows us to actually live by that, by that virtue. It also allows us to, in a sense, clean our own lens you know what I mean? Uh, the, the, the more clearly we see, the more clearly we can act, the more full of God's truth we are. It's not like we're kind of like, oh, I'm not really sh- too sure. But when you're overflowing with the truth of God's word on a lot of aspects in life, it helps us to then walk in that way. Um, but I, I, I think what part of, uh, a powerful part of what we do as Christians is, 
is, uh, is actually having a truthful tone. And it's, who knows that these days there's a lot of focus on the softer skills, the softer skills in, they call them soft skills in business, where it's not just the profit and loss, but it's actually uh, the how to get on with people. Um, there's a great book uh, Patrick Lencioni just came out with, talking about an ideal team player. He was saying the, the best elements in that uh, to, were who he looks for and who actually ends up working out within the team. The three characteristics are that they're humble, they're hungry, and they're smart, not smart in a skill sense, but smart in actually how to understand people and are people smart so they can actually get on with people. He said if people are lacking those things, uh, invariably it doesn't tend to work out, either if they're too arrogant uh, or if they're... But if they, or they can be humble, but then if they're not actually hungry to actually see anything achieved, they're just kind of like, uh, then that drains a team as well. But those elements together uh, are really great in, in people being involved in teams to be, to be uh, hungry, to be humble, to be hungry, and to be, to be smart with people. Um, but they're sort of the softer skills that are a little bit harder to teach, a little bit harder just to kind of put into the mission statement of an organisation or something like that. Um, but it's so powerful is actually how we can get on with people in life. Like that scripture, we, lo- we love to position ourselves, well, I'm going to tell them the truth. But did we do it in love? You know what I mean? How do we know? <laughs> did, I, did I tell you the truth, but was it to, to, for your betterment, for your uplifting, or was it to make myself look better and you look worse? I mean, you know what I mean? We actually have to, in, in all of our, I guess, evangelizing or in, in our heart to help other people, are we doing it for their betterment? Is it to make, you know, lift them up? Uh, and, and, and that's something we can sift our, our heart in. But I think a lot of it can be boiled down and a lot of the litmus paper, the litmus test of where we're at in life is often in our tone. And tone is such a, I guess, a powerful thing. I think I've got a slide that just says, it's not what you said, but it's how you said it. Who knows in any relationship that if you've put your foot in it at times, maybe it hasn't been what you've said, but it's been how you've said it. You've thought... Oh, well, you should have just sort of got that done, wifey. <laughs> and, uh, and who knows from there, it's all downhill. Well, it's all uphill, actually, because you are way in the hall. And you're trying to get out. Um, and maybe something should have got done, but it was how you said it. You may, maybe you told the truth, but you didn't tell it in love. In, one, in Titus 1, verse 15, it says, To the pure, all things are pure, but to the corrupt and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Both their mind and their conscience are corrupted. And where I'm going with this is that so often we think we're telling the truth because we're saying the truthful information, but we're lying with our tone. Each of us, the lens of how we live, we can colour and twist and turn very easily and, and even dodge our own conscience because, well, it was the truth. Yeah, but it didn't happen that way. Who knows? We can say whatever. Again, who knows? If you say, Fine, the word fine. If your spouse says something's fine, it's not fine. You know? <laughs> Are you okay, honey? I'm fine. <laughs> no. <laughs> Whatever. Do you mind? Well, should, we, should we go there? Should we eat there or should we eat there? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Who knows? Whatever can mean whatever. 
or it can mean whatever. And I've found, and it's something that uh, I, I've, I've noticed in how I walk my own life, and I, really, I see it so commonly, is that there's an element of, of living a truthful life that we could live so much more powerfully if we actually hold to a truthful tone. So we can make people a lot worse than they really are. An interaction happens, and then we can, in the relaying of that conversation, in, that, in relaying that what happened, we can actually embed a more sinister tone, a more you know, depressive tone, a more vindictive tone than what happened. And we can communicate clear information. Well, they said that they didn't mind what we did, but then that's how they said it. But then when we relay it, it was like, well, they said, well, I don't mind what I do. You see how we can put different substance into that word? And we're actually lying. That, that what I just relayed as, a, as a, an, an experience didn't actually happen. <laughs> what happened was there wasn't any emotion. It was actually fine. <laughs> but when I... You, you see what I'm saying? And what we need to do, and, we, and, and, and what I wanted to highlight this morning is pulling ourselves up to be more truthful in our tone. And you'll know it. I mean, the Spirit of God's inside of you. And, and because we'd like to just naturally just, just shave off the harsh edges of what we do wrong. You know what I mean? And, and just colour ourselves to be a little bit better than, than what we really were. You know what I mean? Just, just take a little bit more of the credit. Or if we like to, you know what I mean? We can shift and shuffle. And this is in scripture. Who knows that um, these, these aren't my normal ones. These aren't mine. So. But who knows that when I put on a, a lens, then I see everything through that lens. You know, the rose-colored glasses kind of vibe? That I can't help but see everything through rose-colored glasses if I've got them on. <laughs> um, but when I, if I clear the lens then I don't see anything rosy anymore. And sometimes in our own heart, the lens of our own heart is sad or that everyone hates us or the world's against us or, girl, or, or God's angry at us. Or, and literally, even the lens of our own ears that we hear God's word, there's great promises in here, but if we're already in this uh, you know, default, in this sort of you know, uh, uh, angle, in this twist or in this bent where God hates us or he's a meanie, or someone hurt me once so that I'll never get into another relationship again, or something disappointed me so I'll never do that again. And who knows that if that's what we're carrying on the inside, then even if we hear something, we can twist that and what comes out of our life all is in a, an untruthful tone. That You know what? I want to tell you this morning, the world doesn't hate you. It doesn't. And God surely doesn't hate you. I saw it as a, a quote once. It says that people aren't against you, they're just for themselves. You know what I mean? I was talking with a mate once and he was just like, oh, this person, they did such the wrong thing by me and, man, they, they cut corners here and he was really down about it. And I get why, because he came off uh, worse out of that interaction. But I, and I just said that to him, not as like my own wisdom. I was like, dude, I saw this thing and it basically it was just saying that people aren't, they're not against you, they're just for themselves. And again, that is a more truthful tone about what we do out there. You know what I mean? In, in, in life, on the roundabouts. My goodness. It's not about who's right and wrong. <laughs> it's about driving in love. <laughs> you, know what I mean? you don't want to be right and have a bent fender. You just want to be able to get to the beach on time. You know what I mean? You don't want to be stuck there exchanging details for half an hour. 
Now, who cares if they were wrong? Who knows? Who even knows the rules with roundabouts? <laughs> if you're new to Noosa, then that's, that's the only instrument we give our town, town planners is a compass. And they just, any problem, they just put another circle on the map somewhere. And I've found in my own walk with God that when I, when I tell an untruthful tone, I can just sense it on the inside of my own conscience and I guess God just, that prompting, mate, that's not exactly how that went down. That's not exactly how that went down. Well, this happened and then someone replied and they said that. I can sense it on the inside. And it's hard. And that's why I want to help us about weeding our own spirit this morning because the challenge then, it generally comes on us. We can get away with telling an inferior version of what happened. A, a, a substandard version of truth. But ultimately, we lose out. And the best thing you can do is pull yourself up right in that moment. When God leads you to it, or you're, or you're just aware of that. Someone else, even a third party is great, because you can be telling one person a version of the story. Someone else comes up and says, hey, that was a little bit harsh. That didn't actually go down exactly like that. And you're like, oh, Yeah. But you know what the best thing to do for your own heart, your own integrity, for your own walk with God and for your own confidence in your own self in the sense of, you know what, half the time it's hard for us to believe our prayers or believe uh, what we say we're going to do is because we know it didn't go down that way. But the best thing we can do is actually correct yourself in that moment. I still do it. I'm not, I'm not talking to you today about something that I'm, that's, I'm above or I'm over. No way. This is the daily walk. But I tell you what, it's like that garden. If you just weed those little weeds when they're small, my goodness, it's so much easier. You just pick them out with a couple of fingers. But if you leave them, then it's just terrible. The whippersnipper, it just you know, hides it for a week or so and then it comes back and all that. So I, what I'm talking to you about doing is doing it right in the moment. And I know it's hard. And I know it's actually um, it's, it's everything you don't want to do because it wasn't actually quite a lie. Like, well, I, I, and this is all the internal dialogue that will go, go on in you. Well, it, well, I told them what happened, but you know, you know, it didn't quite go down that way. Yeah, but what do I say? I don't just say I lie because I'll say, well, no, that just happened that way. But sometimes someone will text me a response and then I'm relaying it verbally to someone else and then afterwards I'll go away and say, I think I made them sound a little bit harsh. You know, we, we, uh, we hold, how do I say this? Uh, we judge everyone else according to their performance, but we judge ourselves according to our intentions. <laughs> Same result. We both didn't do the thing. But we're like, yeah, but I know why, because I was busy, I did this thing, and so yeah, it's fine. Whereas someone else, oh, well, they just totally didn't care, and that's why they just didn't even, didn't even get to that thing. See, and the less we, less, if we can reduce that distance and try to hold ourselves to a higher level of truth, not let the world try and hold us to a higher level of truth. Who knows, the cricket. Did anyone, you know, Aussies? No, anyone knows about the <sighs> Aussie cricket team trying to create an inferior version of the ball? No? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's just a slight shaving. You just wanted a little bit of dirt to stick on that thing. And yet, <gasps> there's a big outcry. Why? Because we want the game to be at a higher level of truth. You know, and the desire to win still needs to be tempered somewhat. And the more we can fix ourselves up in this and allow God to lead us in this journey, the better. Is this okay? So 
what, if, if someone's text and then I've relayed it wrong and I get that prompting, I'll, I'll actually resend the text to someone. Because I'll I'll, I'll, I would have told the story then. I'm like, hey, well, hang on a sec. This is what they actually said. I'm, just, I, I'm trying to stay to a, a higher line of truth than I need to. No one else will pull you up on this. But ultimately, there's a confidence that will start to erode out of your life if you're your own master. You know, people go, oh, I don't need God. How's that working for you? We do. We need, we need a third party. We need, some, we need each other. That's the beauty of church is when we come together, we've got other eyes on us. Not to micromanage or just to pull us up, but to actually go, mate, I know you think you're running straight, but you're not. You're running really wonky there. Because they can see because they're, they're looking out for you. You know what I mean? Or, hey, I notice you've been really into, you know, this thing is, is, I've seen it develop in your life and I just think it's maybe slightly too important than what you think it is or something like that. That's, that's the beauty of church when you're actually living this life, this communal life, that's what we miss out on if people uh, try to get ejected from church and then just say, well, I'd never want to hang out with anyone else ever again. You know what I mean? They, they miss out because they've only got their, their perspective and, it, and it's, uh, it's, it's to their own detriment. So my challenge to you today is to use a truthful tone. Use not just the, t- the truthful information in how you live your life, in your dealings and in everything else like that, but actually using a more truthful tone uh, in what you relay and how you communicate with people. It's like now, um, the the settings on this mic are fairly natural, Um, but if, Greg, if I could get you to make me, like, more annoying and nasal, and, I don't know, try and change, just change the tone, Um, you know, so... I don't know, is that, uh, do, you, do you guys like me more now that I sound more like that? No? Or am I more, even more annoying than I was before? What if you give me another tone, maybe, can you make me sound a bit more like George Clooney? So a bit more impacting, a little bit more bottom end, but maybe still some, I don't know, can you do that with still some clarity, Greggy? I don't know. But if you can try it, try something, change my tone a little bit. See, I'm saying the same things, but when we mess with the tone, the, the message is diluted. I'm not annoyed at you, but I can sound annoyed with the wrong tone, with the distortion on, you know, with things like that. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. In the NIV, it says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So it's not like, kind of like, oh, I get the idea I, I, as a, in, a, in a plumbing apprenticeship. I've, I've seen the guy do it once, so I know how, uh, yeah, I pretty, I've got the idea. No, 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 no. It's following my example just as I did it. And you may need to follow that example a hundred times to work out the nuances and the slight inflections and the different applications of something. I just sort of jammed the pipe there. No, 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 no. But did you realise when you did that, you broke that or there was a crack there or have you got to check this or you've got to thread that or you've got to put the, put the tape on this way and not that way. You thought you just, I was just putting on tape. It wasn't random. It had to be a certain way. You know what I mean? And so we see that. It says, follow me just as I follow Christ. Not just kind of follow me in the general direction. This is the Apostle Paul saying. Like, not just sort of like, oh, I see you went over that mountain. I'll catch you up. But actually following me even as, in the same manner that I'm following Christ. Again, that's why when we live this communal life together, 
what's great is it's the week in, it's the week out, it's the day in, the day out, to, be, to know others and to be known by them. Where those slight inflections, where the slight uh, nuances, where the slight differences and the intricacies happen, where we can actually, uh, it, it, and, and it is towards life. It's not to being micromanaged, it's not to being nitpicky, it's actually so that we stay true, that we stay fruitful, that we stay joyous and keep the, the pipes of our, of our life clean. A few of you might be sort of going, oh yeah, nice, nice talk Christian, but like I, I don't see it in scripture. Well, uh, let's go to a couple then. Because the lens of how you see scripture will, will define how you interpret scripture. And in Proverbs 6, it says this. In verse 12, A worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles with his feet. He points with his fingers. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly, he shall be broken without remedy. These things, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren." Another version says the one who sows the discord within a family. So these are the things it talks about. And you get the picture of this guy, that what this scripture is talking about in Proverbs 6. He's, he's shuffling. He's not actually, he might be like, he might be saying the right things, but he's kind of, you know, oh, look at, look at over there. Oh, what's happening there? He's twisting things. He's shuffling with his feet. Uh, you know, who knows that so much in communication isn't just the words that are spoken, but it's all the nonverbal stuff that we actually understand. It's the slight eyebrow raise. You know, and this is what this scripture is talking about. And this is, he's saying, this is the stuff the Lord hates. He's like, oh, mate, don't be so insinuating and manipulative. Because he said, evil and calamity come on someone like that. Who knows, if you think God's a meanie, you'll read scripture in the same way. And a lot of what we've read God as being a meanie is actually our own dirty lens. It's actually our own lens of what we just, we've, we've actually created him to be so bad. And yet he's not. He's so good. He's so loving. He's so excited. Yes, there's rules on this planet. If you hold yourself underwater for too long, there's going to be consequences. You know what I mean? If you, if you, don't, uh, if you don't obey the, the lights, if you drive out of the Noosa Shire where there is lights, and, and if you don't obey them and you drive through the red light, all oh, I... You know, I'm a child of God, I don't need to obey the rules. Well, there could be consequences. You know, God's going to give us some... So they, they can be rules, they can be guidelines. Hey, look, this is, this will go... If, if you do this, it'll go well with you. Like he's saying, like this man, if you want to shuffle with your feet and insinuate and manipulate and all that, it's gonna, calamity's going to come on you, man. But it's not him being a meanie and saying, if you don't obey me, obey all my laws, then you will die. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's not how God is. It's just not that way. It's pretty self-evident that if you want to put dumb things into your body consistently for 50 years or 80 years, that there's a likelihood that it's not going to go well for your body. It's not God putting something on you. And we see that in the Ten Commandments. And again, 
Tone changes everything. And you may have noticed sometimes when I preach or share something from Scripture, what I like to do is, if I try and look in Scripture long enough, until another layer actually just, just comes alive. And sometimes it's because it's just a tone change that God reveals himself. And he said, no, you think I've been saying, don't do that. He's like, mate, don't do that. See the difference in a father heart? And God looking out for you? The Ten Commandments are the same. You know, and, and, and historically we've read it because it came out of King James, old King James, where it's like the thou shalt nots. And even just that terminology, because we don't tend to use it today, sounds harsh and gruff and like almighty God smiting down, you know, with lightning. Oh, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not. But do you know uh, that the thous and the these are... It's the same if, they, if you've got any French people in the room or Latin-based languages that you know, that there's different tones and different tenses. And uh, the, the, in, in French, it's they, they tutoyer or they vouvoyer, where you know, you're either using a formal version of you or an informal version. There's a version of you in the English language, there's just you. Whether that's one person or whether that's you as ten people, I can speak to you as a group of people. It's the same word as you when it's just Jamie. But in other languages and in classical English, there's one word for you as singular and there's another word for you as a group. And Old English, thou, or, or two in French or, or Spanish, you know, it's all, it's all the same. There's a, there's, and that, that singular ver- is also an informal version. So when you see someone uh, older and in the street, you don't know them, you speak respectfully... And that would be the you version. But if you're hanging out with your mates, that's the thou version. And it's also the singular version. If Jamie and I were talking, hanging out and talking, I would, in, in you know, a few hundred years ago, that's the, the, that's the these and the thous. Isn't it totally different to what we've thought? And yet we've taken that in the wrong tone and gone, God's like, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Ah! And yet, the same Ten Commandments, look, what's ha- look what happens when you read it in just a different tone. As God is a loving Father. Have we got, have we got a Exodus 20 in the New Living Translation? Just another translation, which again, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to find an appropriate translation. No. Based on what I was just talking about, which you can verify later. It says this. Then instead of thou shalt not. Actually, you know what? Let's do it. Let's go back. Let's, can you just go back a couple of slides to the King James Version? I'd love us to read this properly. Exodus 20, verse 1, King James Version. It says this, And God spake thee all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Out of the house of bondage, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing, shewing my mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord, my, Lord thy God in vain, for thy Lord will not uphold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor 
and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy maidservant, the manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord has made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in it, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honour thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbour, thou shalt not covet thy neighbour's house, they sh- thou shalt not covet thy neighbour's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is thy neighbour's. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings. And the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And and Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Quite austere. But if we just read it in a little bit more of what we understand, it says this, Then God gave the people all these instructions. I'm the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God before, but me. You must not make for yourself an idol or any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, but even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. You've got six days a week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Can you see that this is a lot more conversational than we've given it credit for? Literally, and that's not out of whack. You can hear, imagine hearing a wife say to her husband, listen, you can't have any other wives before me, man. I mean, that's not, that, I'm not going to tolerate that. I mean, it's a fairly standard conversation, you know, if there was any misunderstanding on that front. Uh, you know what I mean? It doesn't mean that there's undue consequences. It means that there's standard consequences. You can't have any other, don't have any other gods before than God. All the, all the rest are just stone and wood. There's no life in that. I mean, that's, that's not going to work for you. Trying to have, you know, more than one husband, more than one wife, that's craziness. And God's the same. He's like, trying to have more than one God, that's not going to work. That's, that's, that's not going to work at all. I'm, I'm a jealous God. Like, I'm a jealous spouse. You know what I mean? Or I'm a jealous whatever. Uh, someone else, if my kids go, that's all right, Dad, you're great, but I think I'll get another couple of dads. Just, you know, just sort of, uh, just hire some because uh, you know, some ones with more money, um, maybe that, you know, don't tell me to clean up my room. I'd be like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. It's not a lack of love, but it's not, it's not how the family works. If we continue on, it says the uh, same thing. This includes your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock. See, all these things, right? This is the heart of God to you. The Ten Commandments weren't something just to obey. Again, there's relationship in it. And at the end of that scripture, Moses said, fear not. Because they're all like, oh, I'm going to be afraid of God. We don't even want to talk to him. We don't even want to hear him. But you, you just broker the deal, Moses. And Moses is like, are you kidding me? 
They were fearful and scared. They didn't even want to talk to God. You talk about separation of relationship. How's that for a different tone on the Ten Commandments? That's how a family works. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not telling you to not obey them. I mean, there are, it's a no-brainer. Don't kill anyone. There is, there's, it, don't murder in actual sense uh, of, the, of the word. Don't murder anyone. That's, 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 that's not going to help anyone. And that's so much about what I endeavour to, how I endeavour to live my life is in a truthful time because there's so much power in it. There's so much power in God's word. We've misread it. And I'm not trying to just shave everything down to no consequences. Absolutely not. There is a truth. And there are consequences to the truth. There is a truth. When you eat an orange, you're going to taste that thing. When you eat a mango, it's going to be amazing. There's, there's actions and consequences. There's actions and consequences in God's word all around. But I just, I'm, just, I'm tired of people making God the meanie and making him the one that's, if there's anyone's fallen short, then it's God. And I'm telling you, it's not God. <laughs> if anyone's fallen short, it's us. If anyone's made him out to be the meanie, it's us. And then he's breathed life into us. He's breathed air into us. He's fed us. I mean, far out. And then something goes wrong down here and we blame God. I'm not, are you kidding? People have never believed in God their whole life. And then something bad happens. And they're like, why God? He's like, oh my goodness, we're talking. Hello. <laughs> You're welcome <laughs> for all the other stuff. There's a bit of a preamble to this convo before we get to why this thing happened. see what happens and in our own humanity without God we love to blame him we love to descend things into it's not our fault but the more we can hold a truthful tone in our life in our representation of other people I mean I've got the power of this I've got a microphone right now I could make anyone sound bad with the tone that I make. I could pluck out a name, a politician, uh, a person, a famous person, a rock star. I could, I could put a tone in something and make them sound bad, but it's not going to help my life in any way. So I wanted to encourage us this morning that God speaks to you. He speaks the truth and he speaks it in love. And when you hear him, when you read things in here, I'm telling you, it's, for your, it's not to your detriment, it's to your betterment. That he's actually trying to uplift you. He's a, even when it's something that highlights what we've been doing wrong, even if it's, he's like, mate, don't kill, <laughs> don't commit adultery. There's gonna be, that's the worst thing you can do, but otherwise there's going to be people after you, it's going to complicate life, it's going to this and that and that and that. But it's, it's the heart of a loving father. And I wanted us today to just blame God a little bit less. Some of you have been holding stuff against God. <laughs> Oh, fine, I'll come back to church after all these years. Like he owes us, you know what I mean? But I want to tell you that he is great. He is for you. He knows the things that happened in the dark. He knows the things that happened 10 years ago. And he still loves you. He's still your child. You know, my, my uh, Alaska turned four this week. And just the dialogue lately has been, Daddy, will God still love me if I'm mean to my sisters? And I've been like, yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> But he still loves you. And she's still working that out. I mean, she's four. It's a good conversation. I'm not angry at her for that question. I, it's, it's great. She's wrestling with it now. 
Some of us are 40 wrestling with that. Some of us are 60 and 80 wrestling with that. I'm not talking about a do good, get good, do bad, get bad gospel. I'm talking about God is better than what you think. He loves you more. Yes, he's going to instruct you, but it's going to be from the heart of a loving father. It's going to be the heart of a a loving family that is for your good. When he tells you to put something aside because it's hurting you, that's, that's, again, it's sin is missing his mark. It's because God's against death. He's against things that are going to kill you. He's against things that are going to kill relationships. He's not against you. He's for you. And I believe that there's great days ahead for you as you follow God and understand his love for your life. He is just so in love with you today. He thinks you're fantastic. How good's that? Can I pray for you this morning? God, I thank you for every person that's here. Lord, I thank you that you lead us and guide us into all the truth. The truth of who you are, the truth of your word, the truth of how we're supposed to live our life. Lord, I I pray for a spirit of truth in the place this morning. That the lies that people have been believing evaporate right now in Jesus' name. God, they see you for who you really are. Lord, we see each other in who we really are as children of God. All imperfect, all trying, all pursuing you the best we can with with darkened glasses maybe, Lord, where we can't quite see things clearly, but we're trying. And Lord, I pray for everyone's life. Lord, that's here today, that's in the sound of my voice, that Lord, maybe, maybe it's again that they, they hadn't thought of it for a while, but maybe it's the first time that they've actually heard and believed the love that God has for them. And God, I thank you right now. You created every person in this room. You've made them as spirits with a soul and they have a body. And God, I thank you that Lord, in every level of their life, that they come to know the love of God that we find in Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Lord. I feel like there'd be people here this morning that maybe you've thought that God would never accept you. And this is the wonderful news of Jesus Christ, that his sacrifice, that he came and lived a sinless life, shed his blood for our sin, so that through his sacrifice, we can enter into God's presence and be part of his family, not based on our own good. That doesn't mean do more evil. It just means that God is not holding that against you. He wants you to receive that. He honors you. You still have a will and a choice. He won't force you. He's created you as the jewel of his his creation. He loves you and he respects you to make your own choice to live your life, just like a dad does to his child as they grow up. But when you choose him, it brings him great joy. When you choose God and say, God, I want to live with you. I want your advice. I want your love. Let's live as a family together. Something ignites the heart of God and something ignites your own spirit. And if that's you here this morning and you've never received the love of Christ, you've never uh, acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Saviour and welcomed him into your heart, if that's you, I just want you, while eyes are closed and we're praying right now, just give me a quick wave and say, Christian, that's me. That's me. I actually want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour this morning. Take my place in God's family as a child of God and learn and grow. If that's you, just as I look around, 
You'll know if it's you. Because everything in you will be saying, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But there's something in your heart that's going, your heart's saying, I want to receive God's love. I, I need it, I need it, I need it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you can all look up. You can all look up. Hey, this week, homework is to read your Bible and to allow God to put the tone in it, allow God's voice to put his own tone of voice into the scriptures that you're reading. Don't take my word for it. Read your Bible and go, God, how are you saying that? Not just what are you saying, how are you saying it? And let him wow you with his own voice that's going to speak to your life about the, the challenges you're facing and receive the truth and the life that's in God's word. Does that sound good? Hey, we can stand on our feet. We're going to... Uh, thanks, Ed. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs>